0: Matthew chapter 18, I'm lifting those first five verses from the New Living Translation. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me words of God well let me read down the seven let me just add a couple of verses to that Uh, put a look look at uh, verse six but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sins it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. My God, what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable. Well, what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Amen. You may go to your seats around the building, even in the presence of our God. Going back to that first verse. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is greatest? You're looking in the wrong direction. You're looking in the wrong direction. How many times that we find ourselves looking in the wrong direction for certain solutions? Matter of fact, sometimes it will happen when persons are sitting up late watching late night TV. Or you turn to one of those information stations and when persons are trying to push a product. Again, that product is going to deliver certain results whether it's going to be that you will not have to have the wrinkling of skin. Will, you will maintain a certain level of youthfulness for many years, whether it is all the products. And I and persons know anything about me know that I have tried all kinds of products for different kinds of reasons. You're looking in the wrong direction. Many of us have done it, Maybe, whether from, from noni juice to Shackley vitamins to whatever it is. And I'm not, I'm not doubting the, the necessity of the kinds of things that perhaps can help us and assist us in terms of our being able to live healthier lives. But here it is. The reality of it is that we must make sure that we're anchored in the word of God. Anchored in the word of God, understanding that challenges are inevitable. They will come. We don't have to say if they come. We can say when they come. And when those challenges come, will you, in the question, be ready? You're looking in the wrong direction direction. Now, that that could be, here it is, the disciples who had walked with Jesus, but yet and still, they get to this particular passage, and in this passage, they are getting into a dialogue with Jesus. Here it is. They're asking the question about greatness. I talked last night about the Tower of Babel. As it was their goal to build this tower that was going to reach very high. And matter of fact, God said they're getting ahead of themselves. So God has to come in and interrupt their plans. How many times do we find our plans are interrupted by God? Many of you who end up in places you did not plan to be, working jobs that you did not plan to work. Matter of fact, you end up being able to connect with people, not according to your plan, but according to God's. The reality of it is that God can show up in any and every situation. He never makes a mistake. And he deposits people in our lives, sometimes only for a season. Here it is, these disciples have got, gotten to this point, but they are now asking about greatness like they were those individuals last night, Dick and McCormick, were looking at the reality. If we build this tower, it will make us famous. Who is the greatest? You will find out a little bit later that there are two who are jockeying for the best seats in the house. They're trying to get to the right. Re- they're more concerned about seat than service. As a matter of fact, that's not an unusual thing because it happens today that persons are more concerned about seat than service. You're looking in the wrong direction. My mind goes back to one, even one, one of the instances in our church because some persons, because of your regularity week in and week out, you think that you have claimed a seat? That is your seat. Matter of fact, person had come into worship. It was at that time our eleven fifteen worship. They had walked in because this is where they sat week after week. But this week, the row was filled with individuals did, who did not know that individual. That individual walked down the aisle and simply stood in the aisle as if those persons were going to recognize that it's my seat. I I saw quickly something that was about to happen and, and some other ushers saw quickly what was about to happen and they came and helped this person to a different seat. The person went to a different seat, but they went to a different seat with a bit of an attitude. That was not the only time that I was able to look at individuals like that because that was, there was a sister who was in our church while I was pastoring in the village of Harlem. We were having a big day, matter of fact, and I needed everybody in the center section to move. In order that I could accommodate, because that day we were having, it was an afternoon service. You remember afternoon services when you would have something to eat downstairs, wrap it in aluminum foil, and then you go back to afternoon service, and most folk were struggling to stay awake. Matter of fact, afternoon services where they, when, when they got to the point of invitation, it was more or really just simply going through the motions because. There was no one there looking for Jesus. They were looking for the Usher's March. They were looking for being in place. But this particular day, as I looked out into our congregation and I asked everybody to move, and I realized one person had decided not to move. She was an interesting person, very colorful in her language, and it did not. And her language was not always church language. And 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 matter of fact, that was that was the last time that I ever asked her to move. <laughs> she let me have it right from where she was sitting, and I and I mean she's and and you could hear her. She she wasn't talking in a whisper. And I said, "All right, everybody. I said, all y'all need to know that you're gonna have to sit around her because she is not moving." One day, I'd, I'd come late to our church, and I'd come late to our church, and I had a, I had a I had a place where the pastor parked. I was on the corner of 111th and Lennox Avenue in Harlem, and and next to the place where I parked my car, there was a traffic light. And there was a sign, It was a sign that said pastor parking only. Now, this was an unusual, unusual sign because it was a pastor parking only sign and it was chained to the street light. <laughs> you got to picture this now. It was chained to the street light. But one thing that would happen when deliveries would take place when deliveries would take place, and persons would have to find the parking place, persons would just simply zigzag into whatever was the open space. That same individual who I had trouble moving that particular day I realized that there was a delivery person who had pulled in to the pastor's spot. She was out there as our representative. I already told you that her language was not always language that would glorify God. And, and, so, and, and, I was, I, and so that particular day, I parked around the corner, and I was walking up the street, and I heard her giving the delivery person, that's our pastor's parking space, and she colored that also with some other language that that I could see the delivery man with the eyes wide open. He said, if you go to church and you talk like that, oh, you're looking in the wrong direction. They are looking here, the disciples who had walked with Jesus, but yet and still, they are look, trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. First thing, uh, first point I want to make, the disciples start, here it is, they start and they start with the wrong question. The wrong question is being asked in chapter 18 of Matthew, they're asking the wrong question. Here you are, you have Jesus, but here you are asking who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why? What? what difference does it make? Matter of fact, you have greatness right before you. You, you are walking with greatness. And so wh- why are you going to worry about what is going on in heaven when you're living on earth? I have not died. And matter of fact, even in, in this room, there are persons, we love the Lord, but we're not necessarily ready to see him tonight or this afternoon. We understand that reality, and here it is. So, you are are asking the wrong question. You're asking about who is the greatest in heaven instead of us looking at how can my life on earth be better. And that's what I need to say to somebody today, that you need to understand that a life with Jesus is better than a life without Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I want my life now to be a greater life. I want to have a peace that is beyond understanding. I want to understand that there might be challenges, but no challenge is too great. Nothing is too hard for God. I lean, I depend on him because I know he can come, come quicker than right now and sooner than at once. And here you are asking about the kingdom of heaven. Some Matter of fact, sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves. And we can get ahead of God. That's what, that's what in essence, talk, when I talked last night about the Tower of Babel, they had gotten ahead of God. They were not consulting God about what they should have consulted God about, but they had taken matters into their own hands. How many times have you taken matters into your own hands and realized that you should have consulted God? You acted and reacted because of emotion. Your emotions can get you in trouble. That's why we have road rage. We have many persons who are now incarcerated because of bad decisions that were done because of a knee-jerk action. But let me thank God, because there's some people in this room right now, and you can thank God that you were not able to deliver on what you felt like doing. I felt like wringing your neck, but I didn't do it. I felt like hurting you, but I didn't do it. I felt like, I felt like matter, of fact, matter of fact, one of the things that is very popular now is persons are, one of the things that we do in terms of exercise is boxing. That's, that's the new popular thing, boxing. I, I, I go past some several places, and I see persons boxing boxing. They are trying to, they're trying to work that thing out, and, and sort of a creed con- consciousness. Big George is getting ready to come out, and there, there's the sense of boxing. But I have a good news for somebody, because you know that God can deal with whatever problem which could ever come your way. You're looking in the wrong direction, asking the wrong question. But here it is. The second thing that you need to know is that God desires a childlike faith. Childlike faith. Childlike faith reminds us, in fact, of our, of our children and, and the faith and confidence that they have in us. I remember when when I had gotten my first garage opener. Lily Bell was in the back seat of the car. And now, of course, you know she's a practicing attorney and all that, but she's sitting in the back seat of the, char- of the, of the car. We, we drove into the driveway, and then I said, voila. The garage door went up. She was sitting in her back seat, in her car seat. She could not wait to get in to tell her mother that her dad could do magic. Mom! You should have seen what Dad did today. He drove into the parking lot and he said, "Voila!" and the garage went up. It's the simple, and you can think about it. Your children and grandchildren, the faith that they have in you, and I can I can still see our children. And and because some of the games I would play with them, my wife did not like the games I played with them, but they enjoyed it. And of course, my one game that I loved was was the toss game. I would toss them into the air, and they would go giggling up and coming down because they had full confidence that I would catch them. And I did, because if I dropped (laughs) them, I might not be here right now. The reality of it is that you have to have a child like faith, That's what this particular text is saying. You must have a child like faith. And so, therefore, when Jesus is, is in, in dialogue with them, he ends up saying, let me put a child among you. I need to put a child among you. And then I'm going to tell you verse number three. It says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like ch- little children, you will never get into heaven. You Here you all talk about the kingdom of heaven. You're making an assumption that you're going to get there. Matter of fact, we, are, we do that a whole lot of times today. And persons come to me all the time, and they, and they have dialogue with me after I preach homegoing services. And I do my best. I do my best to lift up the name of Jesus. And, and sometimes I, I look out, and, and I want to say more, but the persons have not given me very much to work with amen amen that's that, that, that that's sometimes the questions i have to ask when persons are saying i, I need you to preach my funeral give me something to work with it's helpful to have something to work with i as, as a matter of fact while, while in harlem i had a funeral director of a member of our church and periodically he would call me he said i need you to preach your funeral. a funeral so person i didn't need to know i had i had a whole lot of funeral preaching practice Rem Hawkins, and, and you listening and watching. And one time, I, and, and typically what I would do is that I would, I would craft the message, Dr. Yvonne, and then I would fill in some of the blanks as I would listen to the stories told. I don't know the person. You, have, you just called me two hours ago to preach a funeral of a person who I've never met. And so typically when I would gather, I would, like, I would always love for at least one person in the family to make some kind of family statement. This particular day, it was a small gathering. Family sat across the front. I said, any of you like to, anybody like to say anything about your loved one uh, before we share in a message? All of their heads looked down. I said to myself, what you want me to say? <laughs> y'all known the person, and, here they, and and every single one of y'all put your head down. Give me something to work with. The reality of it is, you're looking in the wrong direction, disciples. Here you are, you're concerned and making an assumption of your getting to heaven yourself. Instead of my looking at, how do I look at serving God right now? Not where I'm going, but what are you doing right now? Here it is, let me pull it closer to you. Thank God that you might be on your way to heaven, but you're not there yet. And as long as I'm not there yet, I have a responsibility. And I'm talking to mature believers in this worship experience. I have have a responsibility to glorify God. I have a responsibility to let the light of Jesus shine through. Shining not just because the lights are on. Not just because I'm around other believers, but doing it because of this is where I am in a genuine way. This is genuinely where I am. It's where I am. Yesterday while I was running the the half marathon in Washington, D.C., of course, you know I was running with my faith strong shirt. And so on the back of it, I would have persons come come past and they would say, God bless you because they saw Bible-believing, Christ-centered, spirit-led. Again, because I run like a billboard. I I want you to understand, because the light of the Lord must always shine. Hallelujah. Through our lives, you realize, they said, I need a child to come. And a child, I'm going to sit this child because verse number four says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. One thing about children, children do not understand certain dynamics. They haven't lived long enough to understand the, 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 uh, the magnitude of some of the things that they will do. Matter of fact, let's do a flashback and let's go and ride a roller coaster today. We're on a roller coaster now. We just got on the roller coaster. After getting on the roller coaster, we've gotten, we've gotten strapped in, and now we are on our way to the top. Most of you in this, in this room right now, you know your roller coaster days are long behind you. You have no intention. Matter of fact, I, you will hold the bags with pride. I will meet you over there. And when I meet you over there, I'll have popcorn in my hand and a soda in my other hand. I have no intention. But you can see children in the front giggling and laughing. Matter of fact, here you are, grip tight. Hold it on. Here they are. They have no sense of fear. We were at amusement park several years ago, and, and i would admit, my, my days are behind me. And so I, we got there, it was one of those kind of things where you went straight up in the air and it just dropped you. And so I looked at my wife, my wife looked at me, I said, I'll hold the bags. <laughs> Because Henry was, a, you know, he wanted. I want to ride, I want to ride. She looked at me, I, listen, I had, no, I had ne- no Negro man pride at all. No problem, you can go. Because I had no intention. We were in Las Vegas one time, and we were looking at this guy bungee jumping off the top of a building. I looked at Henry, I said, don't even think about it. We not we 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 not doing it. I'm not joining you. I'm not doing it. Your mother's not doing it. I looked at my wife. She looked at me. She uh uh-uh, uh. We are not going up there. And you look and the person was they would jump off and they looked like little ants. That's how far in the air they were. They were flying. No interest. I saw I saw late president. I, I the previous president. Uh, reverend. Uh, no, not reverend, uh, but president. Bush, the older Bush. And he, here he was, he celebrating his 90th birthday, jumping out of a plane. You can have that. I have no interest at all at any birthday of jumping out of a plane. You, you can, I might, there might be some plane jumpers in this room. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> but the reality of it is, they were looking in the wrong direction. I need a child. A child to come, humble in this way, humble into this position. I put the child in in this way so you can see the child, the child, humble. Because if you're humble, God can use you. When you get yourself out of the way talking about what you can't do, and you look at what God can do, and here I, I am, I put myself in the hands of God. Then you realize that God can do things with you you never ever thought could ever happen. You put ordinary in the hand of an extraordinary God, and extraordinary things can happen. That's what God can do. God can do, He can do, He can do the, the impossible, He can do things that we have never planned on. Here's my third point. Your witness must lead. Come on, somebody. It must lead to Christ and not away. Here it is. Some people are more effective at running folk away from church than leading them to Christ. They're persons now. Matter of fact, I, I was sharing with my, my siblings on yesterday that some of the things that you end up seeing where people are, are, are running people away from church. They're running them away because of their, their, their mentality, because of their lack of witness and how it is that they're more concerned about likes and popularity than they are at production. How it is that I can impact the lives of somebody else. It's not how popular you are in social media. What really is the difference, how effective that you are on a regular basis. We're not here for you. To, this is not a popularity contest. Matter of fact, you need to understand that if you're going to stand for Jesus, sometimes it's going to rub against others. Yeah, it's going to rub against them. Person, as a matter of fact, I, I saw a person some years ago it was, and, and almost said that looking at church, if there's a whole lot of people, it must be something wrong with the message. No, that doesn't necessarily have to be true, but it can be. Because some things grow not because there's healthy growth, but they grow because there's an infection. Come on, somebody infections can also grow but it is not healthy growth god wants us to grow in a healthy way matter of fact you look at the words we want to be a healthy well balanced church a healthy well balanced church is like a healthy well balanced christian you are concerned about prayer worship uh, you are concerned about how I would utilize the gifts that God has given me. And so I want to make sure that I'm making a positive difference in the lives of others. I'm putting this little child right here because I want to remind you that your witness is a witness that must lead to Christ. And if it is not a witness that leads to Christ, you're going to lead somebody away from Christ. Matter of fact, Jesus said, But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths. Of the, see, the Catholic Church is having great problems now because persons are showing up after years and they kept abuse under the table. It's not just the Catholics. It's happened in other places too. It's happened in our, in our, in our area as well. It happens in schools. And matter of fact, it happens on athletic teams and with persons are doing things that they should not be doing with children. We saw recently right in this right in our backyard one of the mayors of our community had to step down and then the next day we find out that his computers had been seized and he was engaged in behavior that was not becoming of his position you understand that you have to realize that whatever I do whenever I do it I understanding that wherever I am God is and so I have to understand that I want to make sure that I am influencing individuals to come to Christ. Matter of fact, that's what persons now, one of the new titles that they utilize for people and, and they call themselves selves influencers. You're influencing society. You are affecting how other people are doing things. Well, I want to say to somebody who's listening to me this morning in this building or online, you need to be an influencer. I want to influence persons to know that Jesus saves. I want to influence persons that I can come into right relationship with the Lord. I want to be an influencer not for myself but I want to be an influencer, leading persons to Christ, leading persons to Christ. Without your big Bible, without your big cross hanging around your neck, but I, I can know there's something different and distinct about you. I love God. I love the Lord. He heard my cry, pity my every groan and all the great things. And, and Jesus said, if you're going to lead people away, It'd be better that you were drowned in the sea. It would be better that here it is, that you've been to church, revival, seminars, workshops, and yet you have a problem, and you throw in the towel. Here it is, you've gotten all of that gospel, and then you have to face a challenge, and then you cannot lean on your faith. You need an anchor. And I need to tell somebody today that the anchor's got to be Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to bend, but I'm not going to break. I'm going to give God praise. People can look at you, try to figure out how, why can you praise Him? You don't know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know how the Lord keeps me. You don't know how the Lord is able to watch over me. He's fighting my battles, answering my prayers, healed my body, saved my soul. Hallelujah something on the inside working on the outside oh what a change has come over my life good morning Highland Park may the Lord bless you real good let's get ready to have breakfast downstairs but when I think hey of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my my My, 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 my soul got to cry out, hallelujah. I want to look in the right direction. What direction? I'm looking to Jesus. My alpha and my omega, my beginning and my end. I'm looking to Jesus. Mother for the motherless, father for the fatherless. I'm looking to Jesus. Dr. In a sick room, lawyer, in a courtroom. I'm looking to Jesus. Ain't he all right? Yeah! Yeah! Oh, yeah! I'm looking to Jesus. And he will show up top over and over And over again. Don't look in the wrong direction. By look in the right direction, because God is still a miracle-working God. Come on, clap the hands, everybody. You've been listening to the radio broadcast of the First Baptist Church of Highland Park and Landover, Maryland. If you want to receive a CD or DVD of what you have just heard, please call three zero one. 773 6655 or visit us on the World Wide Web, fbhp.org. And remember, there's power at the park.